So, guys, do I need any paper for this quiz? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Southern Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You're listening to episode 83 of Sapnin Podcast with a very, very good looking Sean Smith and my sometimes friend, always lover, no, shouldn't have said that, Morgan Richards, also known to millions around the world as Mo Dick. That intro has confused me a lot. But yes, it's me, Morgan Richards. This is episode 83 and this one full. Earthbound adrenaline uniting a black flame. Right, every week what we do is, before we do these podcasts, me and you end up talking. And we talk for so long that I forget about the beginning of the podcast. (laughs) And it drives me wild. Yep, this week's guests are the fantastic Dan and Dav from Berry Tomorrow. Yes, the champions of British metalcore. Ooh. Yes, uh, yeah, we had a lovely chat, a very, very long chat, which is why we're trying to keep this short, and I might be speaking slightly (laughs) quicker than normal. But yeah, we had a lovely chat with the boys, we covered all things band life, Twitch streaming, um, mental health, safe spaces. Yeah, so I don't really want to quote the DreamWorks inspirational blockbuster of Shrek, but it's quite fitting, because this episode... It's like an onion. It's got many layers. What? Did you do all that for that? What? Just to say it's got many layers and then just leave... There's not like another... Is there a punchline to that? Or you... I was just going to tell people what the layers are. Oh. Oh, okay. Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And they might cry. And they might cry. There you go. go. Carry no, on. Tell we... people what the layers are. As Sean mentioned, we get deep and tackle and talk really openly about a lot of mental health stigmas and issues. But at the same time, this conversation gets extremely silly with jokes about behind the scenes of backstage and band life and very touching with the community connection Barry Tomorrow have created with their fans. We have to mention recently it's been a manic time for the band. Not only is Dan and Dav, as individuals, work for the NHS, having to deal with everything associated with COVID-19 pandemic. But balancing that with the release of their new and fifth record, Cannibal, that's going to be released now on July the 3rd, worldwide on Music for Nations Records. 
yeah it was fantastic to see the boys and uh get to catch up and have a chat and yeah i haven't seen them for quite some time so it was absolutely lovely to see and hear from them again and we've wanted them on for ages as well so it's kind of the perfect time with the record coming out next week so yes it's all worked out yeah and as we mentioned we just talk about a host of stuff it's a great conversation it'll hit so many different emotions and we're not going to go on too much now because we want to get straight into this chat so you can hear it uh, but please remember to go and pre-order a copy of their new record that comes out next week the singles they've released so far are heavy aggressive emotional we're going to get into all of that um, but please remember to go and follow us at Sapling Pod on Twitter and Instagram to catch up with all the latest ongoings with the podcast and let us know what you thought of this episode. Yep, that's at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. That's at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. And we had absolutely zero entries for seeing how fast you could say that last week. But also go and check out our lovely Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sapnin to get involved with our wonderful community and access to even more exclusive content from behind the scenes of this very podcast. Yes, you've absolutely nailed that. And um, yeah, join our lovely community of uh, absolute heroes who are some of the most beautiful people I've ever come across in my life. So supportive, so lovely to each other. And yeah, they keep buying each other presents and sending each other presents. It's, it's, it's mad. bonkers. They don't buy me presents, but they buy each other presents. And that's all that matters, oh, really. Oh, no, no, no. They do buy you presents, but they come to my house. What? What? So, so anyway, that's patreon.com forward slash happening. Um, if you've enjoyed any of the uh, these 83 episodes and would like to support and help us. And you're bound to, because we've talked uh, literally all of your favourite bands by now. 83 episodes. Go back, listen to them all. Share it with your friends. Make sure you're subscribing wherever you listen to this podcast as well. And me and Sean are going to get straight into this lovely conversation with the wonderful Dan and Dav of Berry Tomorrow. Let's go. Sapnin'! Sapnin'! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
Sapnin. 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 Sapnin as well. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared with my Sapnin there. Is that what we I'm do? Awful. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It's all right. Loads of people. You want to see Americans? Americans get really, really confused. Yeah, they do. To be honest, we go Sapnin. Especially in, especially when we were with them, we go Sapnin, and they go, "What the fuck is this? Huh? What, what language is that? But yeah, this week's guests are Dan and Dav from the awesome Berry Tomorrow. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for doing this. This has been a long time coming. Yeah. Like, I think we spoke about doing this, like, when you first started this podcast, and it's just mm. never come to fruition. So, yeah, guys. No, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> That's it, man. We've run out of guests. Doesn't it? Like, oh, oh, wow. Who can, He's gone in who early. <laughs> He had to look off a cue card to knew what our names were. He's only known like 10 years, mate. Da- Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, how are you guys? How's lockdown treating you? Yeah. How's things? Well, it's, it's all right. Me and Dan haven't be- really got to experience lockdown like the rest of you, though. We've, we've had to work all the way through it. But yeah, it's. Um, I think it, it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to be. I'd love to be on furlough. That'd be fun. Um, <laughs> no, it's uh, <laughs> no, it's been. It's as Dave said. It's kind of weird because it's not just me that works for the NHS. Obviously, um, Jacko and and Dav both do as well. So we're kind of a NHS band, really. So it's been one of those that we've, you know, albeit tough in the NHS and like hard work um, at the moment. It's it's it uh, lends us a degree of normality, really, in the whole thing because we're going to work, we're getting paid, we're seeing people. So. Apart from getting those breaks to, to, you know, go on tour, that's really yeah. sad. Like, yeah, that, let's not talk about the music thing. <laughs> yeah, the only good thing about, like, having a normal job is is knowing, you know, it's only two months until I get in the bus again, and then that's gone, and I'm just like, oh, so this is what normal people feel like all year round (laughs) yeah oh god this is awful (laughs) it's also that like feeling of yeah it's also that feeling of like where if it had happened last year that would have been all right because it was at the end of an album cycle but it it just happened to happen on our album cycle where we're like ah come on (laughs) it's the fact that it's the whole year as well like the fact that i can't tell you right now when our first show of this entire album campaign is, is so fucked. Yeah, that's a scary thought. Uh, this is the longest we've been as a band without playing a show. Like, and it, it 100% will be by a country mile by the time we play our first show. Like, that's... Wow. That's stupid. <laughs> I haven't seen my band for the longest since I joined the band. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. Yes. Very, very strange times. When you, when you think you spend your, your entire life, you know, when you're in a band and you just spend your entire life in each other's pockets to like be in a position where we're like six months since the last time we were all in the same room together. It's weird. Must be mm. what Metallica feel like. Oh, Blink-182. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's true. Yeah. Well, whatever you do, if you think that's weird, never, ever let your band split up. Never, please. I'm begging you now. I'm begging you now. Don't quit the band. Even if you think, oh, 
fuck it, it's all gone wrong. No, keep it, make it a weekend thing. Do whatever you can. <laughs> don't leave the bad. I'm going to start crying now. Don't leave the bad boys. Don't leave the bad Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Um, you got so, so passionate about quitting his band, his, his cam fell down. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a touchy subject for him. It's still a touchy subject. Yeah, I'm just punching my phone like, oh, the bastards, I can't believe it. They left me. They left me. Um, yeah, don't let that ever happen, boys. Keep it going till you're 90. Till you're 90. Because I wanted to be forever playing children of the night in pubs to two people. <laughs> but no, no, the band quit. But um, yeah, it's been a really, really, really strange situation for us people who have um, who have not been in work. But um yeah, how's it been? Like you mentioned the NHS. Like, how's it been with you guys? How have you found like? How's the response been to Corona and COVID or whatever? I think it's a difficult time for everyone, isn't it, Dan? I mean, Dan, Dan is very much more involved with people's well-being during this mental time. That's basically what his job is: is making sure everyone keeps a head on their shoulders well throughout this crazy madness like yeah yeah so i'm really like really lucky in my in my job role that um i got made program lead for for well-being as dad said so it's kind of looking after the psychological well-being of, of staff and i think that again lends me a kind of unique opportunity to not only kind of see where people are at mentally but then also um kind of be as close to covid as i possibly could be without being a clinician um so you know i've seen people on ventilators and i've seen people in isolation and and uh and seen people um who are, are probably not with us anymore you know and and it's it's very very harrowing to see you know and and it's it puts it into perspective um what i knew before covid in that you know i have the utmost respect for anyone that dons any kind of uniform and, and puts himself for, uh, puts some other people first really within their life you know it's it's a it's a massive commitment and they and they continue to do it over this time hmm. yeah because because one of the things i wanted to talk to you guys about especially was you know since lockdown with guests on the podcast people have really been talking about not being able to be creative or finding different ways to be creative and stuff like that but for the two of you it must have just being such a stressful time right now because not only everything going on with the band trying to move a whole hype album cycle around but just the personal side of it and working in healthcare and everything like that each day i mean for you how is it being trying to juggle that with everything going on I've really struggled, if I'm completely honest. I, I, as I say, I joked earlier, I need the band just as much as I want to be in the band. I need to have time away from my job in order to be able to recuperate and kind of get my head into it. So what lockdown has been for me is because my job's always been pretty much like exactly the same level, like just it, COVID hasn't changed my level of activity is to switched how I do it. Um, but I've had to find myself like new ways of, of kind of interacting with people because that's what me and Dan, particularly when, when we started we it's all we ever wanted to do, like reach out and kind of like meet people and chat with people and form like these kind of like bridges of communication between all worlds and so i i've i've gone a lot more into like digital world like and it's, it's blowing my mind but then i am sat here you guys must feel it as well with like doing your podcast through like zoom and stuff like that mm. is why weren't we doing this before like it's pure <laughs> like there are certain points in my life where i'm like 
why didn't I do this before? Why didn't I stream before? Why weren't we doing like Zoom chats with our fans? Like, why? Why? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say a really similar thing, and that actually, you know, the biggest part of this for us, or certainly for me personally, is that you know we can't play shows. You know, it sucks. It's you know when you're in a band, you want to do two two things. You want to release music so people listen to it and and can hear what your kind of vision is and you want to play shows so you can see the people going off and, and that's why we join bands, you know, it doesn't matter what genre you're in, that is what it's about, you know, so so that sucks, uh, you know, there is no getting away from us not being able to do that. There's a kind of unifying um, sense though, you know, it's not a, a label issue that the album's not out, it's not a, you know, bureaucracy that's caused us not to be able to play shows or cancel shows, you know, it is a unifying experience so it kind of lends us a little bit of a, I can make peace with it a lot easier because it's a worldwide thing that every single band and human being is going through together. Um, but as Dave said, there is also a level of like, you know, this album's unbelievably personal, um, you know, certainly to me and my mindset. And, and so there's been quite a nice amount of reprise in it and, and objectivity when, you know, to release songs and be able to kind of not be caught up in the madness and the, you know, the, the hundreds and hundreds of, press conversations about something that's really intensely personal you know it's it's actually been quite a weird thing to write you know um which is 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 interesting you know and i think when you're in a band and certainly when you've been in a band for like 13 14 years it's really really different it's it's very hard to find new things that are you know really different and kind of make you think oh wow we've never done it that way before and this has absolutely thrust us into a position where we're kind of like Oh, okay. This is, this is new. This is a new thing for <laughs> us. And you know what, in, in that sense, it's kind of nice, you know, I think, I think we're very tomorrow with very tomorrow. We've always been almost like that community mentality rather than like band fans. Like we've always tried to uh, like perpetuate that with our fans. And I think the lockdown has kind of made that even more. So some of the stuff that we've done, like we were doing like, as early as like two or three weeks in, we were doing like very tomorrow quizzes with them on zoom, like where we just like would invite everyone onto a zoom and just like, Hey, let's go. We've been doing like more and more Instagram lives, reaching out to different facets of the community to make sure that like guys, let's not mess around. Like the majority of alternative music is built on outsiders and objective kind of, you feel outside and you feel kind of alone, which is why you're drawn to this community that accepts you for anything you are. And a thing that concerned me, uh, and I know Dan as well, was that in this time where you're not just as much as we relish being able to go away and kind of turn off and just be in a band, like the fans rely on meeting each other and meeting up outside of shows and having that music and having that moment. And if you take away that sense of community from them, to a certain degree, you're taking away one of their only support networks. So we, you know, even without an album, uh, we would have still wanted to instill this level of community that it's still there, regardless of whether or not we're playing shows. No, that's, that's really interesting to hear. I mean, especially like not not taking advantage, but, but just being able to use this time, especially to have that extra level of connection with your audience and mm. fans and everything like that. Yeah, it must just be like the greatest feeling in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those I'd things. I still like to be playing shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it, isn't it? It's all it's all under a caveat of like, you know, this is really, really strange. Um, but as I said before, it's that kind of like, well, every, it's strange for everyone. 
So if it is, you know, it's in our lifetime, um, and it is all of our lifetimes, you know, it's it's the probably the only cataclysmic event that has happened in 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 history that has caused us all to be really unified in our in our mindset. Fingers crossed, yeah. Um, <laughs> fingers crossed, it doesn't happen again. Otherwise, I don't think our bank can survive it. But um, but it is that you know that that feeling of, of um, community is is inherent anyway, and that isn't usually a thing. Usually, you have to pull it and grab it and and be part of it. So it's it, I think it's good. You know, I I think um, I, and I also think there is a level of and I said this controversially the other day, and and I don't really know how it landed, so I don't really care. So it's for me, it's it's. There's so many cities in the world um, where there's so much going on. There's so many shows going on, like, and it's just you know scenes have died. You know, local venues have. It's not COVID that's caused local venues to be in strife. It, it was a long, uh, like, drawn out discussion far beyond that. And it kind of makes me think as to when it all kicks off and restarts again. Will there be a resurgence in people just going to shows just because they want to? connect again with something that they didn't have you know age-old phrase absence makes the heart go stronger i mean will music have that unifying feeling again where download would sell out every year slam dunk will sell out every year the local venues will be filled you know with whoever they bring rave will be back (laughs) 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 i think what we need now more than ever is the klaxons again Yes, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. Most most clear statement of COVID. Yeah, my favourite time in the world is that two thousand and six to two thousand and ten new rave indie live scene where everything was about live music. You could go into a Weatherspoons and you did the next big indie band. It was the greatest. If you liked guitar-based alternative music, you could literally go anywhere. Everywhere was like South by Southwest. And I know that's probably like, <laughs> probably a bit rose-colored spectacles, but you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Yeah. How many snake, how many snake bite deeps were you when you went through Weatherspoons? Next big thing. For like shows, I was like, you'll be amazing. Let me manage you like <laughs> I bet the weather spoons i bet the weather spoons were playing like the klaxons and dad were like oh next big thing they're playing it live you say that mate but it's in that era where literally enter shikari probably played everything with a pa in this country <laughs> like it's like <laughs> the exact same time like oh what's that you've got you've got a bluetooth speaker and the shikari we'll play <laughs> we're there we're there mate <laughs> Pass me the ox cable, rouse on. <laughs> if we can get yeah, if we can get the track on, we are there, boys. Get it going. Brilliant. <laughs> um Yeah, what a time that was. 2006. Jesus Christ. Oh mate, it was the greatest time for live music. I don't like it was it was as MySpace was at its peak, wasn't it? And I've talked about this a lot. I've I think that MySpace for us was one of those things that we we kind of came out just as metalcore had kind of <laughs> see you later it's is over you know i remember, I remember yeah, we smashed it with our time in yeah we released <laughs> we released our first album and within a month of that album i remember seeing a a a, a magazine cover and it just said metalcore is dead i went oh good <laughs> oh, oh yes yes i was open it, it was, was actually it was actually the album review that's what it was oh <laughs> But but I, I I've often said that because because MySpace was like this peer to peer platform that 
we were able to ignore whether or not we were popular or not and still play to people every night. And I think that that happened for a lot of bands around that time. And, and for us, we wouldn't have ever got round to that kind of metalcore resurgence if it wasn't for a platform. And I do think that when I think about it now, that really did make us the band we are because we'd literally be chatting to Barry in, in, in Derby who's putting on his first show and, you know, he's, he's got a case and that's it. So come on, get on. And like, we'd, we'd be making friends with our fans because they'd be putting us on. And I think that that's kind of, that li that's lived on in our career. It's not, it's, you know, it's not only just that. I think also, you know, when you have online platforms and, and the biggest thing that online platform did not only give you a global fan base um, or an immediacy to having a global fan base, but it also gave you the ability to see the scene kind of for what it is and kind of understand what a true finger on the pulse is. You know, you could see what was going to be big because things were moving and shaking. Whereas actually, you know, prior to that, like I, I really don't, I don't remember a time where it was, you just had to go with it. You had to go with your local scene and then hope that your local scene was the next big thing. Whereas now it was in like the MySpace era and onto Facebook and whatever it is now, like, you know, there is that level of, of like, you can just feel what's going to be next and you can see it rising exponentially, you know? I think the difference between then and now really was is that now you don't, uh, and I can't believe I'm saying this, for <laughs> I've just spent the last half an hour talking about how much I miss live music, but the difference between that MySpace era and what I would call like the YouTube generation now is you can have a music career without ever leaving your house. Like you, you could, you could legit have a music career. You could do your live shows as sessions online. You can release your music directly peer to peer. Like that's the, you know, you could live anywhere in the world. And as long as you've got a stable music, uh, a stable internet connection, you sorted. And I just think that that is, that is the single biggest factor in why live music is important is because it doesn't change the music scene but it doesn't give you those memories and those moments. And that's what's important about live music is you will always remember a moment from a gig. You will always remember a moment from a festival. And that's why it's so important. And that's why people feel weird right now because they're not making memories like to a certain degree. They're remembering this crazy time as one big thing. They're not pinpointing, oh, do you remember that time when this happened? Like that's what's so hard about not having the community. Yeah, definitely people are finding it such a weird time because like for me for example at the time of recording it should be right in the middle of festival season and for like the last six years i've been at a festival every month over the summer i've made friends i've met people it's some of the only times i get to see people and friends in my life so yeah it's nice that even though we are all going through this strange thing that there are these platforms that we can still kind of build on the community and, and interact and everything yeah, man. I, I think, you know, like I said this right at the start of the whole thing is that this isn't about social distancing. This is about physically distancing from people. And it's so odd that we adopted this phrase, which is absolutely nonsensical in its nature. Like we're not socially distancing from people because you're still having conversations. You're still trying to interact with people. It makes zero sense. And the fact that it's, it's cottoned on is just it seems bonkers to me. It is physical distancing. That's what we're trying to do. But you need to make sure that you're, you're socially interacting arguably more than you would have been because you haven't got those social cues that you have in everyday life where you're walking along the street and you can kind of have an interaction or you can go and see your family or, as you said, 
go to a festival and have all those kind of normal social cues. So it's almost like you have to make a concerted effort, a further concerted effort to be more socially interactive, but on a digital platform. Um, but it is just a really, I, I, as soon as they brought out social distancing, I was like, no, that makes absolutely no sense <laughs> to me whatsoever. Joe, I, I never thought about that until you just said it, though. And yeah, you, you were dead right. This physical distancing. I'm going to call it physical distancing from now on because you'll give up like, you'll give up like I did, though, because <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, you start going, oh, yeah, you know, I've been physical distancing, and people go, what's on? You go, yeah, you oh, just don't want to explain oh, it. Right. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Same thing you've been doing, but I've been doing yeah, what it actually <laughs> should be called. You bastard. I do think yeah. the hardest part is like, when you all of this is just the fact that it's what everyone talks about. Your podcast must feel so hard to kind of motivate people to not spend the first hour of each podcast just talking about how shit COVID is. <laughs> I mean, you, we should be at festivals. We should be hanging out with people who we call our friends but see once yeah. a year. We should be talking about our record, but <laughs> it's so hard to focus on that because we're like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, right now, Right now, you, sorry to break it to you, but you guys should be in grass pop, I believe. No, that's oh, the best I'm, tr- I'm really um, trying not to talk about where I should be in June. Because yeah, so, I miss yeah, Greenfields, sorry. man. Like Greenfields Festival in, in Switzerland. That is, if you, if anyone listening to this ever is like, oh, should I go to a festival outside of the UK? Go to Greenfield. It is stunning. You're like playing in a postcard and it's just got metal everywhere. <laughs> it's, yeah that's true um yeah we did when we did green uh greenfields our bassist left because they give you well i don't know if it's the same but they give us like a cabin to stay in up on the mountain you come down from there then takes ages to get to the site which is on the floor in front of the massive fucking mountains or whatever our bassist left his base in a cupboard at the top of that mountain (laughs) we can top that in terms of leaving your instruments oh go on please say Oh, here we go. Our boy Dorse uh, drove, like, we, we did, what, like, 13-hour drive, Dan? Yeah, so it was from, it was from Southampton, Southampton to Trier in Germany. So it's about, so it's like, I think it's southern Germany. So it's about a 13-, 14-hour drive straight. We, we, we get there an hour before we go on. An hour before we go on. Everyone's getting their stuff together. Like, Dorse, where's your guitar, mate? And I shit you not, he checked under the tyres. Under the tires of the van, <laughs> literally. Like, you there? Like, <laughs> he doesn't. So he doesn't. He doesn't remember this, but I vividly remember him tapping his pockets when after he got into that moment of like just absolute. You know, the, you know the feeling. Everyone knows yeah. that feeling. We've all like, done it. We've all done your it. panic of like, oh my god, the reality is slowly swelling in as Doris has looked under the wheels of the van. And, uh, and, and the best bit about this whole thing is, is that, you know, usually you go, oh, well, there's a lot of bands playing, you know, there's a lot of bands playing, it'll be all right. Doris is a left-handed guitarist. So we were sat there like, oh, uh, we were no. like, okay, okay. And then um, lo and behold, Betraying the, Mart- Betraying the Martyrs pop up and they've got a left-handed guitarist. Um, and he, he turns up and he just goes, yeah, here's my guitar. Here's my, I think it was a seven or eight string. There you go. And Doris is sat there just like... Doris is like playing oh. the left-handed cricket bat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he still pertains that that is his worst show that he's ever played to date. So, yeah, it was pretty incredible. 
the thing is, is we've all done stupid stuff. Like I'm usually the worst for it. I'm, I'm absolutely terrible in terms of falling over, falling off stages, smashing guitars, Ooh. like not even in a rock and roll way. I mean, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm a fat guy walking around the stage falling over. Like it's not, it's, <laughs> we got a great video online of me, but like uh, the riser had moved when I jumped up onto it. I'm a big boy. What can you say? And our tour manager ran on to hold the riser, and I stepped off the riser and just flipped over the top of them, just smashed my guitar. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, no, the best one. So, so this is still on. Like, so he does this every tour. Every tour, Davil injured himself. It's incredible. And then I lost my fucking mind on the last tour because we played um, Newcastle, and there's like a step to get on the stage, and. It was the fucking best thing ever because we were playing um, No Less Violence. So the intro kicks in and, you know, we were like, like what, four weeks in? So we're like, so well-oiled machine, you know, we paid for the, you know, you know, as you do, Sean, we paid for the extra. We got there, the lighting guy, and we got the <laughs> monitor guy. Yes. You know, we got a monitor guy. We weren't riding off the X32 on this one. And, um, and so we were <laughs> at that point where we we're like so well-oiled that you almost become a little bit like, Complacent. arrogant in the yeah. yeah complacent and arrogant in the when you're going to walk on stage you're like oh fuck it i'll take my time even though the vocals are about to kick in i was like ah whatever dav's doing the same thing in his mind and dav just goes to walk on stage and just went literally no, on no, stage before, before you go further <laughs> i am really blind i am really really blind yeah and i don't wear contacts on stage so the second these come off yeah that's it. I'm I'm hoping and praying that the blurs I see are enough to get me through the show. Yeah, it was terrible when we were when we were playing venues where we all had to cramp up. I would get hit with guitars in the face, cymbals, everything. Yeah, but this step definitely was bigger than I thought it was. So I yeah, obviously that's the reason why you took the whole proxy of you two figures because it was bigger than you thought it was. I got really arrogant this night, really arrogant this night, and I'd rolled my volume on before stepping on stage. So as I hit the ground, it was like and all the air. So I so sure I've got a wireless mic as well. So I, I had my wireless mic on me. And I just turned it on and I was crying with laughter, like yelling. And so it just came out from the front of just this absolute pandemonium. And Dad's there like hobbling back on. Oh, I, so thought I, I thought I dislocated my knee. Oh. Wow. But um, I need, uh, I need what show that was and the date <laughs> yeah, is uh, Riverside, Newcastle. Riverside and Newcastle on the last tour. December... Oh, don't know. probably December, December something. He's gonna be searching 10th, that. He's gonna be searching for videos for that everywhere. <laughs> I just yeah, I just uh the the image of him falling over and then just stand laughing down the mic, just coming over the PA. So we played a show when we were really young, uh, a venue I don't know if this will ring any bells to you, but this was proper on that circuit. Lower soft sea breeze. Ooh, Do you remember that one? Bell. Yeah. So we were there back in the day. We didn't have any frills, mate. I didn't even have an amp. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I plugged straight into the PA, like, fuck it, bass, let's go. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, oh he's really edgy. Yeah. He loves it just on a DI. Oh, he's so edgy. That's what he was like. He was like, oh, yeah, look. Yeah, so edgy, edgy, edgy. Can't afford an amp. Can't afford an amp. So we ring out and we're like, yeah, I jump. I'm not even joking. So I just bought a new bass. Yeah saved up for it and everything 
Yeah. So I jump up and as I land on the floor, it's like a, it's like a, a, a hall for a bar mitzvah. So, you know, you got like carpet everywhere apart from like the dance floor. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure that it's, they have specific. Yeah. It's bar mitzvah <laughs> hall. Just obviously. Like... <laughs> Come on, guys. Bar mitzvah hall. Yeah. So I, I jump up and as I land, my feet just go zoop like this. And my only thought was save your base. So I cover my base like this and my face bounces. Oh. <laughs> just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, all over a lot. Uh, yeah, I remember um, Bob from the Blackout. We were playing in a place called the Windsor, which is a terrible pub in a town called Neath. And he uh, he borrowed his father's PRS. His father had like a a really old PRS or whatever. So he's playing in like a. He trips up and he starts to fall. And the only place for him to fall, right, there's like a gap that big between the two monitors, right. <laughs> So he's playing guitar, he starts falling, he brings his guitar up dead straight, right, next to his head, so like the, it's there, like a, and he falls in between the monitors, and he literally just misses, if he had been like four inches either way, he would have killed himself, but he missed, yeah. and he just landed in between them. I love a good stage fall. We did this tour called the Stage Invasion Tour, where we did, uh, like, we did, you know how people go, let's go back to the old venues we used to play. Well, we did that. We played 30 Yeah, and then they and then they, in- they do that and then they go, oh yeah, Academy 2s. Yeah, yeah. Go back to the old school. We'll, <laughs> we'll play Academies. <laughs> so, nah, we, we went back to the shit We did 35 shows in one, in one tour. Uh, we had one day off a week and we just went for it, yeah. And we were legitimately, we played two pigs in Cheltenham. Yeah, two pigs in Cheltenham, yeah. Yeah, we, we were playing like, between 80, I think 80 was the smallest, and that was the Anvil in Bournemouth, between 80 and 200 cap venues. And every single night of that, we were encouraging pandemonium. Weirdly, it was um, weirdly that we pretty much had the same amount of people in there every night. It was like one of those where, you know, when you go back and there's no fire restrictions, because you go to the two pigs in Cheltenham and you just got a chap there that goes, I give a fuck. And then they ram in like 300 people, that 300 of their mates, and they're in. And it, it was just a really odd and surreal experience because we also played a load of songs of portraits that actually we, we hadn't played since we were playing venues like that. So we were just like, oh my God. Yeah, I remember moments being on stage with like in-ears in at Two Pigs, just like, I'm, I'm playing a song that I wrote when we were like two in 2008. And when I played it in a venue down the road that looked exactly the same as this in 2008, it was like just the oddest moment. Yeah. What do you reckon is the strangest venue you've Dan, played? Dan. Oh, yeah. Uh, mate, no, there, there's two. <laughs> two, uh, two of the most weird venues I've ever played. One is in Middlesbrough, the Empire, and that place is fucking weird. Yep. Um, the owner's a lovely, lovely chap, but we went there and it was around, like, um, Halloween. Well, it wasn't that around. I think it was, like, two fucking weeks off it, and the guy's decked out his whole thing. And he's a zany dude. It's a lovely dude, lovely dude. If he ever watches this, lovely dude. Book us back, don't book us back. Um, but he, uh, he, he walked in a venue and we're all like a bit knackered and stuff. You know, as you do, and you're like, where's the toilets and where's the fucking dressing room, please? And he walks in and he stopped us all and just went, gentlemen, look up. And we looked up and he just put like skulls everywhere. And we were just <laughs> like, all right, mate. <laughs> he was so proud of that moment. And it was one of those moments where you think, oh, he's definitely rehearsed that like all day. Just like, what am I going to say? How am I going to unveil this? Um, and then, and we always do that now. Literally, we're always like, look up. Oh, wow. And, um, That's such like, 
That's such a David Brent moment. Oh, it was horrific, mate. Yeah, absolutely is. It, it was, it was so that moment. Funny, and we were all just like, oh, man, like, sweet. Uh, you know that request for the Wi-Fi in the dressing room? It's still there, please. Um, and then the other one is that fucking place in, in Dover. Like, that is, like... It's just playing Dover is a weird feeling. When you've been in a band for as long as we have and you've used Dover as a fucking throughway for the past 15 years, you know, you've seen the Banksy on the wall 90 times. You've, you've got on the ferry late usually every single time um, and you never see Dover. I'm like, oh, nice cliff. See you later. I'm off to France. And then like now I, I put, we get booked in this place and I'm like, oh my God, this place is like... like unlike anything else because i think 90 percent of people or 99 percent of people just do what we do and just use it as a three-way it's that one percent of people that stuck around that make up dover which is just makes it just a really surreal place but yeah that is a very weird venue i think the weirdest place we played not in terms of any other reason than it was just such a weird backstage was um is it fibbers in york where it's like like oh, yeah, right. upstairs the direct, strip, yeah, club. strip club yeah. and it's, it shares the same backstage so you're just like oh, I'm just going to get ready <laughs> like you know cinnamon yeah, all right, next all right, to me Dad. in the mirror cinnamon next to me in the mirror well boys what you want to do is when we're all allowed out again you guys need to book a show in the White Horse in High Wickham right which during the day is a strip club it's a pub Right, but at the end where the stage is, they put in like a mo- like a you can take out the pole. You load in through the side door, right? So you load in through the side door like a stage is here, right? I walked in holding a gu- guitar cab, which is rare for a singer, but I do I was actually doing it this time, right? As I walked in like a looked right, is a woman doing a split just here, right? But she's doing a split up in the air. So I look and I'm like, oh, my, literally a vagina is about six <laughs> inches from my face, right? I was like, oh, put your teeth back in, love. Oh, no, no, he wasn't. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that whole situation. She then chased me, right? She chased me. She was like, you looked, you owe me a pound. I was like, I was trying to get through. I just want to do a gig, love. I, was, I haven't come yeah, for this. So that is just like what Kingston... Uh, used to have that venue Kingston Peel we used to be like that it was a strip club on the other side they had the divide and wall um, and they used to walk around shaking pound coins for people so it must be a thing what well, that's yeah yeah why a pound Morgan I'm just... we've just broken Morgan he's literally just like what no but yeah. it's just <laughs> Morgan what, like to chase you and then ask for a pound like I, I mean in all fairness every time I dance I ask I go around with a, a a pint glass asking for a pound. So okay, right. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what I've started doing is since meeting our woman, that um, entrepreneur, I've realised that if I just go around flashing myself now, I can just go around and just start charging a pound to everybody for it. Um, so that, or you're going to end up like quite a few people in 2020. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, Sean, I don't want to see you get cancelled, mate. All right. Let's stop the flashing. <laughs> all right. I've been trying, this is, this will be the 84th episode and I've been trying for 83 other episodes to get cancelled. <laughs> if it haven't happened by now, I'm not, no, I'm jinxing it. I'm jinxing Which it. Which will you be more annoyed by though? If like you're, if, if the headline is Sean from the blackout or Sean from Sappening podcast. Ooh. Like, which one are you going to be more personally upset by? 
Um, <laughs> and a lot, I think a lot of people think Sean from the Blackout's probably dead. So, <laughs> or being cancelled. Yeah, or being cancelled anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, he was cancelled. He was cancelled about four cancellings ago, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. He was cancelled. Yeah, isn't that, that's why the band split up. Surely he was cancelled. Um, yeah, yeah, I go with Sean from the Blackout, I think. Because then I could probably keep the podcast going and slag off that fella Sean from the Blackout. Uh, that's, a, um, that's a clever idea, actually. What, what that's really clever. You, you could discuss it, couldn't you? What would be really meta is if you got him on the show to discuss it. <laughs> that is true. Just pull, a, just pull like an old interview of you and just splice it all up. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, get on the edit, mate. <laughs> That's not a bad it. Morgan, from now on, after this, you guys will be the last ever guests of this podcast now. <laughs> because every week I'm just going to interview my former self. Can, oh, you make, can, you, can you make a Sapanin podcast app where we just make like a Sean soundboard out of like all the interviews? <sighs> Imagine, how just, oh. Imagine how many terrible phone calls there would be. And <laughs> I'd be I'd be jailed within 24 hours of that going live, I reckon. Other people would have got me in so much trouble. Yeah, I think awful. people would frame in. I think people would frame in for a lot of crimes. I'd frame myself. I'd go. <laughs> I'd, I'd frame myself just to get away with what? It doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. These are oh, the stories. Okay. These are the stories people want to hear. I'm glad we've we've gone down yeah. this route. I, that's the thing. People are making fools of ourselves. That's what people want. Yeah, that's yeah. People people literally want to hear what people are really like. What we found from these podcasts is people literally want to hear things like, "What's the craziest venue you've played?" Like, I know it's a bit of a shitty question, but. To see the excitement no. on your faces when I asked that, and mm. knowing that uh, you know I was going to get to tell my white horse story as well, <laughs> that I think I think I think a lot Builds of people himself up. So my biggest claim to f- my biggest claim to fame is upsetting our sound guy massively at Greenfield. Actually, I should have I should have brought this in there. Do you know what I mean? But if you want stupid stories, so go for it. He is the biggest ever NoFX fan, isn't he, Dan? Like he he loves them. He proper loves them. Talks about them all the time. Massive fan. Yeah. So no effects are playing Greenfields Festival. Yeah. And he gets to meet Fat Mike. And he's just like, you know, so he's there. And I walk up and he's chatting to someone. And he's like, and it, he's like, Dav, Dav, come here. So I walk over and he goes, this is, you know, this is Dav from Very Tomorrow. And he goes, and Fat Mike goes, hi, I'm Fat Mike. Yeah. And without even thinking, I go, what's up? I'm Fat Dav. Yeah. And you should have seen Dave's face. He looked mortified. He looked like I just pissed on the queen. He was so upset because at that point, Fat Mike looked at me and just turned around and walked back into the dressing room. So like the whole conversation was just completely ruined. But from that day, I swore that I would only ever refer to myself as Fat Dav. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if he was like, just furious. Just fucking... Like, the thing is, right? At the end of the day, he's in no effects. You're not allowed to be ever angry if you're in no effects because <laughs> you've made a... Yeah, you've made a career out of playing that music. So you should just be happy that you've cheated the system, I think. But... <laughs> um, yeah, any other, any other awkward meetings with um, people? Have you ever met Jared Leto? He's an awkward one. He's a good no, I've, I've pretended to be Jared Leto at a festival. <laughs> you pretended to be. 
yeah so Come like on. you know you know, there was, you know there was that download where <laughs> where basically he had all the posters up like this man does not need a pass he can walk wherever he wants it doesn't matter so but then i had very very long jesus hair yeah so I legitimately very drunk at download and I, I, for some reason I seem to think that I'm God's gift to everyone when I'm drunk. Yeah. Can't help it. Um, so I just walk in, this guy was like, I've got your pass. I'm like, have you not seen the signs? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, look at that sign right there. Like I had a pass, so I didn't need to be an asshole. He's like, look at that sign. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And just let me in. Like this poor kid, like 18 year old in a high vis. Oh, and, oh. and then the photo, and then the photo is, you know, Jared Leto with his fucking 12 pack out. And then you see that just two strong bows deep. It's me. He must have thought, what a heavy paper round. Um, but like, yeah, I, I, I photo really well. So I've got one because I, um, we, we played uh, Grass Pop actually, which is really good that we would segue into that. And um, when we should have segued into it, a couple of couple I'm of not very back. good at this, mate. But, oh, um, well, oh but, yeah. welcome to the podcast where yeah. nothing goes in the right order. <laughs> That's good. Um, and we, uh, yeah, so we, I watched um, John Davis actually, and he was playing, um, he was playing some of the Queen of the Damned songs, and Queen of the Damned is one of my favourite movies. Um, and so I never ever thought from that soundtrack I'd ever get to see it live. I thought it was always one of those things that's on record and that's that. Um, but he actually played some of the Lestat the Vampire songs and I, I was like half cut and then I got very cut. So I was like, yes, scold a load of beers and sing it along. And then um, I go backstage after I played and I, I grabbed two more beers and I had two, you know, did the old double ander. I was like walking around with two beers and I sat on this wall and I was having a chat with Dorst and Dab, I think it was, and John Davis and the entourage all walk backstage. So I'm like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to go say hello. And I got up and he stopped and went to shake my hand. And I just went, how's it going? <laughs> and shook his hand. And, and then I, um, I went, oh, you know, great show. And he's like, oh, you liked it? That's awesome, man. And then I, was, and then I realized I had a wave as I was talking to him of like, you've just launched two beers behind you. Like literally, you must have looked like a complete fucking nutcase. Just like, yeah, man, how's it going? And, I, and then also trying to play it cool and be like, good set man you know that was cool like you've just launched it business now you might as well have just grabbed the guy and run off with it you know oh brilliant <laughs> At yeah, least you yeah. didn't throw him onto him. That would have been a That's much awkward. Or screamed as I did it, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. me, like me when I met Adam D the first time. Like I was introduced to Adam D by someone at Download, and I just go, huh, huh. "That's it." Yeah, that's that's my entire conversation with him. I was like, "Kill Switch Engage." You got to understand, like, Kill Switch Engage was like the pinnacle of metalcore for me. I was like, you know, it's fucking. This is fucking kill switch engage, yeah. And I'm just it was our first download, and I'm like our press agent goes, Oh, this is Adam D. I was like, <laughs> I'm just oh, I love you all. I love your band so much. They're my favourite band in the world. <laughs> uh, well that's funny because I um I did the, I did something similar to Mike Patton from Faith No More. Um the Blackout were playing Soundwave in 2013 in Australia and Mike Patton was there with one of his projects. I can't remember. It wasn't Faith No More, I know that much. And um, we were playing and we were playing our last song, which was a song called Higher and Higher. And then in the middle bit is a, is a rapper called Hyro. And um, I would normally do his rap bits if Hyro wasn't about. And I was just about to rap and I looked to our tour manager who was stage right 
and he went, look over there, Mike Patton's over there, on the other side. So I looked left, stage left, is Mike Patton from Faith No More watching my band. So I'm like, oh! So I throw the mic, I run over to him. Oh. <laughs> I run over to him and I went, all right, um, ah, I love you. Oh, fuck, I told you I loved you. Shit. I gotta go, I'm in the band. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I went, I gotta go. So I just ran off, finished the song, finished the set, locked back, he'd gone. I saw a two man, John was like, I can't, I just told him I loved him. I just told a grown man I loved him to his face. And then. And he's enjoying your music and you launched the microphone. Yeah, I just literally went, oh, I'm about to rap. Oh my fuck, it's Mike Patton. Oh, um, uh, I love you. Oh no, I told you I loved you. I literally said, Oh no, I told you I loved you. Ah, I gotta go, I'm in the ba- I gotta go, I'm in the band you're watching. Uh. The, the only person who I've ever wanted to get a photo with, like legitimately really wanted to get a photo with, uh, whenever I've been at a festival or something like this, we were at uh, a uh, rock uh, rock cam ring and I got to meet Beth Ditto. And we've already talked about my love of like early two thousands indie music, yeah. So for me, Beth Ditto was I was just, I might as well have just been meeting Michael Jackson for in terms of like celebrity status. And I get there, get a photo with her and then just start, start showing her pictures in my camera roll. I don't even know why. I was just like, and then I showed her a picture of my daughter and she goes, oh, she's so cute. Like I could just eat her. And I'm like, you can. <laughs> oh no this is all going so wrong i need to go just <laughs> like david brent's it don't they they're just like yeah, yeah. you can oh i'm trying to think oh. you can if you want <laughs> matthew matthew the guitarist in the blackout right who is literally the whitest and most awkward member of any band you've ever met in your life right we were side of the stage at Pink Pop in belgium watching dizzy rascal play right and dizzy rascal came off Right, and Matthew went on like we were standing there, and you know, good show. Gonna say good show to him. Matthew says, "Oh, good show." And Dizzy's like, "Oh, cheers, man," and put his hand out like that. Right, so went to do the fist. Matthew, being the whitest man alive, goes for the handshake, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> Matthew, Matthew and Dizzy Rascal <laughs> are playing rock paper scissors. Paper, scissors. <laughs> 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 so boys, just decide your one and go with it for God's sake. <laughs> So right. I, I purpose. So I purposely do that. So I, I make if I know what someone's going to do, they can go in for a handshake, and I'm going in for a fit. I do it on purpose because I love it. So I love going for fists and doing the whole snail thing. Oh, I, I love, love snail. Grab. I also just love just going, and it's there's something about it. And then shaking. It's or the power. Like, it's I've got your go whole like arm. <laughs> or just go like this, and then just be like. Dan does this thing. He does this horrible thing with with fans when he goes to shake their hand, where he'll like, he's like two fingers go gimpy, and like as they go to shake his hand, they're like they're like in the handshake. It's so grim. I mean, Dan does that, but he's like has like these perfect photos, and then I refuse to do nice photos with people. I'm like, no, no, I don't do nice photos, like because you can have a nice photo with anyone. With me. That's not what you're getting. You're going to get the most horrendous. So like I'll li- lift up people's fringes. I'll lick their forehead just before it's about to go. Like, you know, remove their glasses. So they can't, like, they can't see. Like, so I do make it my mission. And I'll tell you something. They remember. 
They remember the phone oh, way yeah. more oh, yeah. if you ruin their day. Yeah, and oh, usually yeah. after, you know, like in signing lines, I usually know when they've come because they've either got fucking penises drawn on their face or like Dab's given them some kind of new eyeliner that he's drawn on with a Sharpie. And I, they get to me because I'm always at the end. And it's just like, what the fuck happened to you? I'm like, oh, this festival's been pretty hard. And they're like, no, I look normal. I mean, I'm on a day pass and I met your brother down the other end and Dab's there like, <laughs> I love it. In signings, I love drawing on people. Like it's one of my favorite things to do. Like I That's will such draw an on... odd statement for you to say. That's no, I like, just love drawing right. on people. You know what I love, like guys. You know what's keeping me busy during COVID lockdown? It's just I love drawing on people. It's just you know, some people like skateboarding, or some people like you know they get a pet. What I do is I love to master the art of drawing on faces with sharp you've, you know? you've, you've got to master it to a point where it's like genuinely terrible, but still brilliant. Like it's got to be so legible that you can tell exactly what it is, but it's got to look like an eight year old Russian convict did it in prison with uh, a paperclip. That's it's what got an to look image. Like that. What an like, image of an eight year old Russian convict. I think one of my favorite photos I ever did with a fan was they were just about to have this photo. And I think they've had like 10 photos of me at this point and they've all been awful, genuinely awful. Yeah. So, okay, let's have a nice one. And the look of shock on their face. They were like, wow. Okay. What? <laughs> oh, all right. Um, and just as we're about to do it, I wiped off one of her eyebrows. Like, I literally, <gasps> like, smeared her eyebrow. Oh. And there's just this photo of her looking like she's partially blurred, just looking at me going, giving me the is. finger. It was so good. So, so good. That's a death wish, though. I'm surprised you're still alive. <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't been cancelled for that. Mate, I've, I've pulled <laughs> off eyelashes before. I've drawn on people. <laughs> I, I, I coloured this one guy's lips in with a Sharpie. Like, that was pretty impressive. He probably died of ink poisoning. Giving them eyeliner. Like, doesn't matter if you're male or female. You're going to get the same level of treatment. Like... <laughs> I'm not sexist when I come to it. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, an equal, yeah, you're an equal opportunities colorer in a. Yeah, I'll, everyone think, gets the color. I think one thing people are going to be taking from this is just never to bring a sharpie near Berry tomorrow. Really, <laughs> only bring Crayola or <laughs> 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 chalk. <laughs> oh. oh, Dav, I see you've got a, a Viper brand T-shirt on. Am I right? I do indeed. Yeah. What's going on here then? What's going on with Viper brand? So me and Dan always do this thing around sort of like um, when we're coming up to an album cycle where we kind of chill a little bit, put all the effort into the band, you know, that sort of thing. We timed it definitely wrong with COVID this time, didn't we? So we, we, were, we were meant to be launching our brand new line in February, end of February, and then everything kicked off like we buy a lot of our like wholesale products in from china like most companies do and that was obviously all the stuff in china was kicking off since november so at this point it's complete lockdown so we were told there'd be a little bit of a delay and then so we'd already started promoting we'd start promoting we've got a new line we're going to drop a new line soon blah, blah 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 and then literally like we just didn't have any information oh it could, might be six weeks might be six months we were like okay so we basically had to like take a step back and just wait and it's only now i've started re-talking to our wholesalers and and companies that um were finally able to start production 
on all the stuff that we'd originally done. So I think we're aiming for July now, because obviously we really do want to get past the album now and really do want to kind of like move on. So, and that's the thing, me and Dan have never, although they're obviously linked, we've never wanted it to be like, we'd never sell like Viper at a show. Like if you come to a show, you're there for Barry tomorrow. If it, you know, so we were not going to drop like, uh, you know, Barry tomorrow related Viper stuff apart from the name, but the name comes from the fact that Dan's, you know, got it tattooed on him, several thousand lyrics involving the word Viper. Like, so it's, it's one of those things that we, we kind of had to take a step back. And the worst thing is as well, I'm, I'm not even joking. I can show you a picture. Yeah. So I showed Dan the entire line in December that we'd sent off and in there, well, fucking face masks, yeah. Because we were like, I'm not even joking. Aww. So we were doing, we were doing like these black face masks with the logo on the front, the smiley, and we were doing them. And I was like, I said to Dan on the phone the other day, didn't I? Mate? I was like, if we'd have brought them out in February, we'd be millionaires. fucking millionaires. You would, or liable, or liable for a load of people wearing them with no protection whatsoever, like like most other companies. Like, yeah, I'm fine. Now we've dropped that one from our line because we're like. Nah, it's poor taste now. So we'd actually done this whole line, curated this whole line. It's very much like um, like off-white style fashion, like very almost like... By Japanese culture, Japanese skateboarding culture. Yeah, yeah, new online kind of like e-boy meets skater kind of vibes, you know, in how it goes. But yeah, so the face mask worked really well as part of that whole collection. You know, a bit like Scar Lord if he was a skateboarder, like that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, and so we dropped it from there. We've also dropped a couple of other bits because as well, we're just like some of the slogans on there now. I'm just like, mm, are people going to think this is because of COVID? Like, you know, <laughs> pandemic, you know, we had a hoodie that just said pandemic. <laughs> I think we have one. <laughs> if, if I'm, it said something like catch the disease or something like that. Like, we just like, <laughs> like, yeah. It looks like it's one of those herd herd mentality Boris Johnson pro t shirt or something mm. like oh, Yeah, catch the virus. Catch the disease, vote <laughs> Pori. Like <laughs> Make oh, COVID no. great again or something. You, you know? just got the exclusive there, Sean. You just got the exclusive. July. Nice. I don't know nice. a date. Ooh. There you go. Um yeah, so this will be coming out uh July third, is it? Morg? Oh cool. This month where there will be is a it? new vibe. Uh, Oh, in that case, well, let's just do a post plug. Like, thank you so much to everyone who bought Cannibal uh, last month, got us to number one in the UK album charts. That's incredible. <laughs> this will be the week before, I think, the album comes out. So you should do... Check out. Oh, next thank week. You. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Um, next week, check out. <laughs> thank you for everyone that's one. getting us to number one. Thank you so much, well, I everyone. Was, I was going to mention... <laughs> I was, gonna, I was just going to say, even though I love the way this is uh, turned out, we should probably talk about the record a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, as you mentioned, your sixth record now, Cannibal, is being released the 3rd of July. Uh, you've had to push it back a little bit with everything going on. But listening to some of the singles and stuff, it seems to be a host of some of your heaviest work, or some great new melodic parts as well, and just as you've said, a lot more personal on many levels. Can you just talk to us a little bit about the really creative process of, of it all, especially coming off the last cycle of Black Flame and, and how successful that was and really how proud you were of that? Yeah, man, I think we, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head is that we were exceptionally proud with Black Flame. It, it did more for us than than anything prior um, by quite an exponential level as well. It, it, 
it was one of those things we were in a weird dichotomy with Ian and our band uh, in that there was a massive disparity between kind of UK and how big we got there to like everywhere else. And we were doing good numbers in places like Germany and stuff, but, but really we were, it went from, you know, being thousand plus caps to, to going back down to like say three, 400 caps was, was like our maximum. And, and Black Flame just connected with Europe the, like on another level. Um, and so Germany now, I would argue, well, well, not even argue, we play bigger venues than we do in the UK there. And, and we've grown in the UK as well. So, and it kind of just pushed us to that next level. It just seemed to connect with a lot of people. Um, part of that's probably subject matter. You know, the whole record was around, you know, being thankful for our fans and thankful for the last, you know, 12 years of being in, in a band and, and kind of put to bed that, like, you know, that whole period of time over five albums. And like, you know, we've, got to this stage now and, and fuck yeah thank you so much for that and it's all about you guys um and then you know we got to we got to writing and we tend to get to writing like quite quite rapidly really with every record you know to put it into perspective we've got you know starts of demos now for the next record and we haven't even released cannibal it's just that we, we want to stay productive we want to stay um and certainly dawson does that's kind of how he works um and then we kind of got writing and, and I'd already said to Doris when he was writing um, the demos and stuff, because he writes demos, then we rip them apart. And it's that usual, it's like the new school way of being a garage band really these days is that, you know, Doris writes them and then we rip them to shreds in pre-production and then we get into the studio and that's kind of how it works. And, and, uh, and through the record, there was, there was just something about it. I said, I wanted it to be personal. Um, I wanted it to be dark. I knew that. And then, you know, I've been doing off the latter part of, um, of Black Flame, I'd done, I'd done these safe spaces. I, I created a lot of discussion around the normalization of mental health discussions, the the reduction of stigma, um, and I'd done a lot of work there. And I and I kind of was at a point where I was like, well, we're at the best point of our career, the biggest we've ever been. You know, the boys, I'm the wellest I've ever been from a mental health perspective. Like now's the time for me to go back and kind of retrospectively look at like what that feeling was. Um, and so the album's like less about you know, mental health conditions, like, oh, this song's about anxiety, this song's about depression, this song's about anorexia. It was more around, like, you know, what it felt like to be in that kind of world of, of mental health or depreciated mental health. So so I got writing and I kind of got stuck in and it was dark and, and I kind of just, because I was so well, I could take myself back to, like, the worst moments and, and really put it down on paper and... And I really made a conscious effort this time not to hide things in metaphors. It was just a, there you go, that's it. Like, enjoy it. Um, and then and then we got to a stage, I think I was like six songs in and the boys were kind of like, well, you know, if we're going to do it, like you might as well just do it and just take it. And then I kind of then could give a bit of freedom to going back to maybe some of my other lyrics and, and pushing it more um, and really, really just being honest. Um, and I suppose there's, there's just an inherent sense of hypocrisy if I'm telling people like, you know, talk about it, be part of it, you know, you know, reduce stigma. And then I, my biggest platform that I have, which is being in this band and making music and writing lyrics and arguably the things that people listen to more rather than kind of interviews and talking to me live, um, is our music, you know? So it was like, all right, well, this is it then. And if the guys are okay with it, then I'm okay with it. And, um, you know, I needed to make sure that I was in, in a good place that, because I knew that we would be having discussions like this for, you know, for the next year and a half of my life, I'm going to be having discussions about how personal this record is. And I need to be able to, to make sure that I'm in a good place to be able to do that. But, but actually for, for releasing it and, and getting it ready, you know, this it's, as I said before, kind of about COVID and, and 
something nice about being in a band for so long is that you generally aren't surprised by much. You know, you've got levels of excitement about big shows or, or the record going off or, you know, it doing better than what you thought it was going to do. But generally you're in that vista of like, I get it. You know, I know how this could go, but the emotional connection is something that I, we haven't felt like we felt on this record, you know, before and in, in 13, 14, 15 years. Um, and, you know, we played the gray live on our last, on the last black flame run, we released it and played it live. And, and it was just a moment, you know, I pride myself on being a front man that is, you know, I, I grew up watching Jacoby Shaddix and watching Corey Taylor and I, you know, and I, and misery signals Carl and, and like, I, I wanted to be that front man. It was like stoically, like I've got this, I'm a showman. I can do that. And what the gray did was unlock something new in our band for all of this time is that that emotional connection that you can't do that. Like I, I felt like when I was on record, I, I, when we were playing it live, I just couldn't be that like masked up, like, oh, I'm fine. Like, this is good. I just could connect on a different level, you know, albeit hard. And it was harder to play that song than the other songs as far as like keeping my head right. But it, that, you know, and Cannibal and Better Below have just kind of, and Choke, you know, have just kind of, grabbed this feeling they haven't necessarily you know maybe we've grown i won't know until the record sales come out and we, we play live shows but you know uh, but what we have done is really um lived by the sword and being honest and and we've really now we've now enabled people to to understand that we're a band that probably or certainly personally that we can have that conversation with us because we kind of get it from lived experience as well so it's 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 a really interesting one man but it was a tough album to record, um, tough album for Jace to get his head around as well, you know, because he had to, you know, this record is about me, you know, and, and I thank these guys, like, you know, from the bottom of my heart that they took a risk on, you know, um, on giving away an album, essentially. You know, they gave a, away the whole theme of a record, which is a huge thing, you know, coming up against Black Flame, which is our biggest record to date. And arguably, if we were to look like track and trend of like, what is the biggest jumps? Well, you know, it, it's like for like when we released portraits to going into union and that, that was a humongous cataclysmic rise, albeit weren't as big as we are now, but in the same aspect between Earthbound and, and Black Flame, there was just this phenomenal rise. And then to your next record, your follow up the, the record to then go, Oh, you know, we're going to give this themes to Dan. It's like, you know, it's massive amounts of trust. Um, but, but, you know, it's important, you know, and as I said, I don't think we could have done that if we weren't in a position where we've gone to bed, put to bed those five albums before and gone, thank you everyone for just being you and being amazing people. But this is, this is the first album we can retrospect or introspectively look at it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And as you mentioned there, I, I think a lot of, a lot of bands tend to preach a lot of subjects in you know, different aspects and whatnot, but don't really pull up, pull up on it and, and showcase it more in ways but on the last tour especially you were doing a lot of safe spaces sessions before gigs interacting with fans talking to them about mental health problems or just issues in general how did all of that play a part in this record as well and just that experience of of being able to connect yet again with your community on another Mm. level i mean yeah absolutely you know it was it was it was hard work. I'm not going to say it wasn't. Um, and it wasn't just hard work of like logistically organizing. That was the easy part, more like getting yourself able to kind of hear. Cause when you open up a, you know, a conversation about mental health with, with people, you know, that is, 
you unlock serious conversations. You know, you're not talking, you're not shying away from conversations about suicide or abuse or, and it was savage, you know, it was, it was really, really tough to hear. And I made sure that I had a clinician with me at all times for triggering conversations and, um, and, and did the clinical aspect of it, you know, but, but yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, there's a lot of virtue hunting at the moment. Um, a lot of, of, of looking for, um, a place, you know, looking for, oh, well, I've supported that because I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've put out a post or I've written a statement or I, you know, whatever. And, and I think mental health was one of those things that because I was so passionate about the, the fact that I had lived experience in that, but then also understanding that I had people, I have no idea what people's personal experiences are. I have absolutely, my anxiety, my depression has, has no relation or bears no relation to my neighbor who has that, you know, and, and it's about understanding that, but then understanding that we are here to support each other and that people do feel things that are odd and different and makes us feel strange or makes us feel like we want to tear our skin off. And, and it's really just part of my condition as well is that, um, this kind of logical way when I was in my worst place, you know, this, this logical way of articulating what I'm thinking and trying to kind of, put it into some kind of sense actually helped me work through that. Um, and I think for some people that came along to those safe spaces and, you know, we did seven safe spaces and, and Dad came along to a couple of them as well. And, and what I think it did for people is, is one, you know, it, it gave them that, it gave them an opportunity to share. Um, and perhaps, you know, some of the people that we were speaking to, you know, they've never had an opportunity to share, you know, and, and, or they've come from really, really dark backgrounds, you know, and, um, it was a great opportunity to signpost people um, and use a bit of my kind of clinical knowledge or you know, not as a clinician, but knowing the clinical lines that people can go through. And and that gave me a bit of confidence in understanding that I've got some knowledge now within that. Um, but then also it gave, you know, it gave, it gave me, it wasn't just a selfless act. It gave me so much, you know, and, and it was, a, it was a selfish act in partly because, you know, it was also an opportunity to, for me to experience some monumental things, you know? So I, we had, um, someone come out gay for the first time. We had mm -hmm. someone, um, uh, say that they felt that they were, they were trans, um, for the first time ever in their life, you know, which is a monumental occasion mm. for yeah, someone to wow. do that. You know, that's, yeah. uh, that is um, an immense amount of kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, so they should, uh, should be immensely proud of, of that moment, you know, articulating that to the world. Um, and we, you know, and then we also had people, um, sadly, but, you know, it, sadly enough, but also in a, um, it's positive that they've managed to do that, admit abuse, you know, sexual abuse, um, psychological abuse that they've been going through their whole life or incidents that they had for the first time they could, they could talk about that in a group, which it, you don't really, you don't really see the gravity of, of the conversations until you see something like that happen. And, and then it's, it's out for the world, you know? And I think, you know, to tangibly link it into the record and how it kind of transitioned into that is that hopefully, you know, at base level, well, two things, one, I've gained so much about, you know, I've, I've put my money where my mouth is. I've put it down on paper. I've made that step to kind of say to the world and our, all of our fans without just going, well, if you want to come to a safe space, you can come talk to Danny about his mental health. Like, you know, that, that, that pocketed a certain amount of people that were already up for that. I've made it blatantly obvious with putting down the lyrics on this record that every single person that's going to listen to Barry tomorrow is going to hear it from, from my mouth, you know, which is, it's, 
in the selfish act is me going wonderful that's great like i've done that for myself i feel good about myself but then also hopefully it enables people to to see that whatever platform you've got whatever um you know forum you've got to kind of use it whether it's one person or one million people uh, it, it's, a, it's always going to be beneficial to to at least articulate that to the world you know well i think i've seen i mean i'm a lot more involved with the online community i guess and say dan is and we've never had like a fan club or anything like that ever and straight away off the back of the black flame tour and the safe spaces and the new songs coming out um a group of fans set up like, you know, a fan club, a fan club called the cannibals. Okay. And I watched it grow and I thought it was going to be one of those things. We've all, you know, when you've ever been in a band, like it's always like, you know, bury tomorrow, Brazil, or, you know, like (laughs) a group of people gets used for a couple of weeks and then it disappears. Yeah. I've watched this thing grow and grow and grow the last six months. And what I think is incredible about what happened in December, what's happened on the record and gone forward is they're not talking about us in this group. Like they're not talking about, they're, they're brought together through a love of our music and they're only there because they, but they're not talking about us. Like there was a post in there today. I don't get involved. I don't, it's their group. It's their thing. I'm not there to promote the record. I'm not there to do anything. They asked me to join I'm um, some eyes in there, but I never post in there, right? It's theirs. I want it to be theirs, yeah? But they're supporting each other. And, like, they're openly talking about things, like, really important things. And everyone is supportive. There was someone in there today saying that, you know, he's, he's got to a point where he doesn't know if he can cope anymore. And we're not talking, like, call me, Karen. Uh, hit me up in my DMs, you know, classic, like, Facebook emergency services. Genuinely, people signposting genuinely people supporting and talking through coping mechanisms. And if anything, what I think it's done is mobilized our really, you know, the, the familiar faces in our, in our fan base. Yeah. We've got like this core group of a thousand people, for example, that is, they'll be there every show or, you know, that sort of thing, like, you know, around the world, if we're in this city, we know they'll be there. Yeah but it's mobilized them to feel like they have the platform to help as well. And that we, you, you can't make that happen. Like you, you can't you, go and do this now. It's your turn. Like it, either you do it, you don't. And it's genuinely driven by love and community. And you, know, and, and, you know, that was the last thing I asked, you know, people on, on the safe space session, you know, it was, it was a reflective moment for people to, to learn some things, to, you know, articulate some things, to cry, to enjoy each other's company. And, but then it was also that moment where I asked people to kind of go and make their own safe space. Um, you know, and whether that's them connecting with, um, support networks that they have as their family or whether that's doing exactly what the kind of cannibals did. And, and you can bet your bottom dollar that pretty much every member of the cannibals went to one of those safe spaces and they did, you know, I know the people that are on there. I talk to them a lot. Um, but, you know, I think as well, it, it's also about, it's really, really scary. You know, this world is fucking scary for people and mental health is fucking scary. And it's really, really scary for people that have never felt that. That is a, a, the most debilitating position to be in ever, to be someone that has never, to be, to be someone that has never, you know, felt that feeling of anxiety or wanting to rip your skin off and not really knowing whether you're going to be here in, five years time, two years time, two days time, you know, and, and depression, not constructing a future and that whole aspect. But I think, you know, that is a hugely debilitating thing, but being able to then, 
show people that, you know, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a clinician, but I've got knowledge and I can signpost people um, appropriately. And I've got that kind of governance part of it set up. And uh, actually, it's all right. You can support each other because the majority of stuff that helps people is that ability to not only help other people. You know, if you were to go in your five steps to well-being, one of those steps to well-being is um, to give. And, and um, a lot of people think about, oh, it's monetarily, give to charity, and that makes you feel good. But it's not that. I think, you know, the five steps to well-being, I, I truly believe that one of that is giving a part of yourself to another person, you know, whether that's your family or, or your loved ones or a pet or whatever it may be. But then there's also giving your time and your energy and your space to someone else. Because what that not only does, is it affects the person that you're giving to and makes their life better and more positive but then also it, it physiologically changes the way you think from endorphin release um you know in the part of your brain part of your amygdala and understanding that it fundamentally changes what your brain is doing to to make that you know you feel better and more light and more like you're helping and and at base level it makes you feel like you're connected again to the world um, and when we talk about, you know, going all the way back to the start of the conversation is, you know, when, when you talk about COVID and, and the hardest part of this is, is that we don't feel connected, you know, and that's why I, I'm so on it with the social distance and physical distancing, because it pains me to think that people aren't socially interacting with people. It, it makes me very, very sad. And it makes me worried that we're going to have pockets of people in this world that are very, very lonely at the moment, you know, and, and, and that goes for COVID. It goes for over Christmas time. It goes for winter in general for people. Is it is a is a tough time, you know? But any time of the year, you know, and whether you're eighty years old or you're eight years old, it can be a very lonely place, you know. So connection is really really important. It's a weird place to be in a band to be so proud of the new music that you've created. I genuinely think that Campbell is the best album we will ever write. I do. I genuinely think that. I know every band thinks their latest record is the one, but genuinely think we've reached a new level here. But to sit there with my brother and to explore those lyrics, and particularly this one track called Dark Infinite, and the only way to describe it is like, be, like finding someone's suicide note, like, you know, when they didn't do it. Do you know what I mean? It was genuinely harrowing to sit there and read these lyrics and go with Dan and be like, because I've known that Dan struggled, but to have it written in front of you and just black and white, no metaphor, literally like this is what it was, was tough. So now I, it, we've just spent an hour where I've been a twat and just like fucked about and we've told stupid jokes, but I'm now thinking about that on stage. I'm now thinking about when we're playing these songs, when we're playing the gray, when we're playing cannibal, like this isn't, it's, it's not like playing. It's not like acting anymore. There's a certain amount of being in a band. That's like acting. You're, you're in a band, you're on stage, you're acting. This is real life is, you know, all of a sudden we're in a reality TV show. We're not in a movie. And, that's tough because yeah, that's someone my asked, brother doing it, you know. It's, yeah, and so someone asked me a question the other day, and it was a really well put question. I can't really remember how it was, it was phrased, but it was really around like, you know, why is the album essentially so dark, you know, and, and it is so dark, you know, and, and when you can retrospectively, look, I'm still here, you know, I'm still me, I'm still doing what I do, I'm still putting 120% into being optimistic and positive and being me, and that is 
what I've been like online for the whole of my career, which I'm proud of. You know, I'm proud that I can't look back over, over, you know, the I suppose the 15, 16 years and look back and go, fucking hell, I had a cataclysmic change where it wasn't ethical and I was a rock star and I felt like a complete twat. Like, I don't have that. You know, that's one thing that I will end this band with an accolade on my shoulder that goes, you know, I, I stood by having integrity um, and morality and ethical. You know, that was what I was about, you know. And But the reason why the album's so dark is that mental health sucks. Like, it sucks. It's not nice, you know. And, and I wanted to push myself to explore the part of my brain that I never want to experience again. But actually, you know, in that is a realization that I will always experience that for the rest of my life. I will have tendencies and peaks and troughs where I will, I can possibly experience that again. You know, that's the nature of having generalized anxiety disorder or chronic depression is that that happens, you know? And, and I think for me, it's really, really important that I, I put it down on paper as a timestamp for me to be able to kind of go back and go, that happened there. I articulated that. And I know that I can get in that because also then it gives me a real blatant and other people, a real blatant opportunity to kind of see themselves and similar traits as to where they felt when they had depreciated yeah. mental health. You know? Oh, no, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, thank, yeah. Thanks for opening up about it, boys. I, I like, I know, uh, like Dav said, we were pissing about and stuff earlier, but I think this, this more than ever is like the really important thing now. Like this is, you know, we're, we're losing friends to it. I'm seeing, like you talked about community then and now you've accident, like I suppose accidentally created a, a community. We've done exactly the same with the podcast and we never thought, like we started a Patreon and we were just like, oh, we'll just, if we can get a couple of quid in just to, you know, pay for fuel to get to these gigs or whatever. And it has mm. become this, it has become this amazing thing where, that people are supporting each other. People are looking out for each other. People are traveling to each other. People are sending gifts from Australia to Wales, from New York to Germany. It's it's mental. And I think, um, yeah, more than ever, we all need other other people and and help. And I think what you've done, especially with the space, uh, the safe space stuff. Because I remember I was talking to Simon from Junior, because you did one at uh, Heads Above the Waves, right? Mm. Um, and yeah, it was just such a good idea, and I just can't i I can't get over no bands have kind of done it that bef- done it before in in that sense. Yeah, it's it's weird because you know, you know, plenty of people have though, Sean. You know, I, I think that you only need to look at someone like Lewis Capaldi at a global level. You know, the guy has openly admitted you know, what he's, what he's got, what he goes through. But then he's also created um, therapy spaces within arenas for people to go when they're having crises, you know? So um, that whole thing is, is, is really, really important. But I think on base level though, man, like if, if you can do anything, that's a win. Like if you can just talk about the moments, you know, it's a, there's a load of things and whether you're talking about it from a business perspective or, you know, or, or a strategy perspective or an OD, uh, an organization development perspective, like my NHS world, or you're talking about it from just a personal connection level, vulnerability is power. Like it truly is. Vulnerability is so, so important and being real. Now, one of the biggest things I watched the PMQ prime minister questions the other day. Um, and it, the one thing people call out now is when people are full of shit. And when you don't, when you don't, 
speak with conviction or passion and you're doing that weird thing that all politicians seem to do where they speak for three sentences, stop for a bit, wave their hands a bit and then continue speaking about stuff. And they, they've all come from this same Oxbridge world of like uh, how they deliver things. Um, that people see through that as a, a facade, you know? And, and for me, it's, it is purely about the vulnerability that honestly, if you know what, today was a shit day. It was bad. It, it wasn't, didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Today's show didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Oh, well, you know what? Next, next day is another day, you know? And, and doing that, I think so, so important for it. Not only showing um, authenticity um, as, as a human being, but then also um, for, for your own self to be able to recognize and regulate, you know, and, and in the same aspect, you know, talking about movements that are going on, you know, that things that should have changed a long, long time ago that haven't changed. Um, I think it's really important for people to recognize that as well, recognize privilege, recognize when you don't understand a community and a network of people or an ethnicity and you don't understand that, fucking educate yourself, get yourself a book or go online. We've made it really bloody easy with the internet to go and educate yourself on history, go and educate, go and ask someone, you know, LGBTQ plus, you know, go and ask those people, that, that community of, of amazing, beautiful individuals, what it's like to be them, because you're not going to know yourself without asking that question. And I think, you know, to, to kind of cut a long story short on it is that one of the key factors of not having prejudice um, or not being prejudiced towards other people is being inquisitive. If you're inquisitive, if you're interested and you want to learn more at base level, you can't almost be prejudiced because you're, you want to immerse yourself in those other cultures and those other, uh, you know, the other um, human factors of this world. You know, it's really, really important that people do that. And mental health is no different. Mental health is one of those exact things of, asks the question, why is it that when I could walk into work or, or, or tell another band member, you know what, I've, I've suffered with chronic depression. I'm not sure if I knew that I was going to be here anymore. They take a shut breath in and don't want to talk about it anymore. Or, you know, one of my good friends has got psychosis, hears voices and has physical manifestations that he sees, which I find unbelievably frightening concept to think about, you know, the lack of reality. But why is it that then I go, oh, oh I don't want to talk about that. No, because actually I want to learn about it. I want to understand that, you know, it's all the same, you know. Um, and I think that, I think we'd go a long way if people were far more interested in other people rather than themselves. I think we'd be a lot better world than what we are for sure. Yeah. Yeah, very well said. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people listening to this will, will appreciate all of that and they'll really help them with stuff as well. Um, yeah, cheers. It's all right. No worries. Should we go back? Should we go back to... <laughs> <laughs> Um, back to Jared Leto. Anyway, Jared Leto doesn't <laughs> shake hands. No, um, th that is true. He doesn't shake hands. Um, yeah, thank you ever so much for doing this, boys. Um, no, honestly, thanks for having us. Yeah, but not for, for just like having a laugh and stuff, but for just being so open and being able to talk about everything. I mean, I, we really do appreciate, really appreciate your time. And yeah, I'm sure it's um, it's hectic behind the scenes as well with trying to get this album ready now. So. Yeah. yeah, we're ready. My final plug, fucking buy it, all right? Because <laughs> we're all poor. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't want to work in the NHS anymore. Get me out, please. Please, I'll tell everyone I'm proud, but I'm not. I just want to leave, all right? Yeah, I just want to live oh. in a mansion with a fucking Ferrari. Yeah, can you just buy this album so that I can do that? Thanks. 
Actually, if Dad uh, just signed off then, just speak yeah. off. Yeah, he should have logged. He should have gone then. It should have been Black's <laughs> beep. Oh, he's gone. Dad's gone. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for your time. Um, thanks for everything. It's been fucking great. Uh, good luck with the record. Good luck when you can finally travel and play shows again. Um, yeah, and yeah, when um, when we're allowed to actually go to gigs and all that, let's do another one of these in person. But also, but also, guys, I want to say on on behalf of our band as well, you guys have supported us for a long, long time. Not only as as individuals and people in the media or in bands and stuff, but just as mates as well. So you know, we've known, we've all known each other for a long fucking time, and and it and it works both ways. You know, Morgan, you've you've interviewed us many times. <laughs> yeah. Sean, we've we've been in many parties, and, and we've had yeah. great <laughs> conversations over the, the years, and we've all supported each other. You know, and and the band, you know, the blackout when when you were in. And um, you know, the genres weren't the same, you know, really. And, and you supported us through that, you know, we'd become mates out of this. So I think, you know, it credit where credit's to you guys have supported us. And, and that's why we're willing to do things like this with you guys, because we, we trust you. You're awesome human beings. So thank you guys so much. And congratulations on a bloody awesome podcast as well. Thank yeah, you very much. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Oh, thank congratulations you. to you as well on everything. Um, yeah, it's all good. You can use that as a soundbite if you want. That can be the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Morgan Morgan doesn't need his ego inflating any more than normal. Um, <laughs> Come on, on, it's not on, that bad. It's not that well, on bad. The one, basically, on the one this, that's coming out this week, he basically calls himself Podcast Jesus. So <laughs> I didn't call myself. No, right, no, no. You called me Podcast Jesus. I just didn't argue uh, with you. Morgan Leto. He doesn't shake hands anymore either, does Morgan. <laughs> I, I'm taking back that. I'm going to take that statement back cool. now. Yeah, thank you very much for doing this. Um, oh, yeah, right. and hopefully, Cheers, hopefully we'll you. see you soon. Cheers, thank you. See you soon, guys. guys. Bye. Excellent. That was... Yes! Excellent. How long did we go? I thought we were only going to do about 40 minutes, and then... I remember looking at my clock going, oh, we're only five minutes in. I've, I've enjoyed this chat and it's felt like a lot, but we're only five minutes in. And I looked again and I went, oh, so now we're in 28 <laughs> minutes we've been talking. <laughs> wow. Yeah, what a great chat, though. Absolutely lovely, boys. Never had a bad word to say about um, no. Berry Tomorrow, lads. They've always been lovely. What a great band. And I genuinely believe this album will take them to the next level. Yeah, it's surprising uh, how time flies when you're catching up with people, but such great bands such lovely humans doing a lot for everyone's mental health as well so I mean absolutely yeah. fantastic uh, as I said earlier the tracks they've released so far from this new album are sounding huge heavy just melodic it's just I can't wait to hear the full record uh, so July 3rd that's next week if you listen to this when this comes out I don't um, so make sure and go and pre-order it from their website berry-tomorrow dot com um, or go and check out the record labels check your local record stores because I'm sure they would love some business with all that's gone on in this COVID pandemic are record stores open now Ann? it depends what country you're in Sean I wouldn't be surprised if they are you can't see a family like but you can go and rub backs with somebody looking for CDs <laughs> what a mad world we live in anyway thanks again to Dan and Dav um, thanks for not just Barry Tomorrow and the music but thanks for your work in and around the NHS, yeah, it doesn't go unnoticed. You're a star. You're stars. So thank you very much, boys. Um, we appreciate you greatly. Yes, we do. We do very, very much. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, 
greatly, then let us and Barry tomorrow know by tagging us in some tweets or Instagram stories and all that malarkey. And you can give us a follow at Pod. Sean, how do you spell our at? At S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. That's S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. Nice. And then if you're thinking, oh, there's more. There's something else. I want to check something else out. I can't get enough of this podcast. I've listened to every single episode. Well, you're in luck because we have exclusive content on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. We're going to be releasing a lot more. You get to join our community, meet new best friends. So why not go and check it out? Patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. Yes. Come along, suggest topics, meet your new best friend interact with us and find out the guests early every week yes or just take the mick out of us as well um but while we're saying thank you to all the amazing patrons who support this podcast each and every week uh we need to give a massive shout out to the elite members those are the top tiers and everyone that's in the description but sean is going to give a mahoosive gigantic and probably hilarious shout out to those elite members because they've all changed their names to funny things and i don't have a clue what they're going to be right then You've set me up to fail by saying they're going to be hilarious, but some people have changed their names, I guess, to Australian sentences. So, here we go. Thank you very much to Mayumi Liwawe. Kylie, I'm not here to fuck spoilers. Wheeler. That was a terrible... I'm sorry. Mitch Perry, Amy Chilvers, Emma Barber, Janelle, grab us a frothy from your esky, mate. Caston, Amadina Bano, Julia Caesar Styles, Nathan Croshaw, Kelly Yang Ye Na Ye... Dilly Stone, the flaming crowds, Stewart. Oh, this is dreadful. Mo Dick's eyebrows know what you did in the dark. Michael Engler, Liam Connolly, Kelly Irwin, Paul Hirschfield, Wargasm Fangirl. Can't blame him. Tom Owen, the people's Mo Dick eyebrow, Kate Patak, Scott, you little ripper, Jones. Simon Amos, Ollie blowing a froth off a few, Amesbury. Jenny Flaming Galar, I love Kelly. Oh. Jenny Flaming Galar, I love. I can't do it. Jenny Flaming Galar, I love Kelly Wheeler Munster. Emily, you bloody drongo Senegals. Kate Stevenson, Lucy Diaz, Martina McManus, John and Emma, Erin Howard, Kelly like a bandicoot on a burnt ridge Mallory. <laughs> Kelly Tyra, Kieran Lewis, Louis Cook, Marcy Jacobson, Mike Cunningham, Sarah Stewart, Jamie O'Jamie, Sandra Kuhacek, Podcast Jeebus saves, Sean Smith scores the rebound, James McNaught, Livy Cropper, Sarah Furu's loose in the top, Paddock James. <laughs> Sarah Furu's loose in the top, Paddock James. Kelly Emma Cannon, Amy Thomas, Tallulah Grant, Samuel Griffiths, Stuart McNaught, Lydia Henderson, Jenny Robertson, Tony Michael, Nula Clark, spelled that wrong, Jordan Burchard, Becky Handy, and last but not least, Shanye West. Yes! I'm going to stop reading them out soon. You were going to have to start reading them out. It's too much. Good call. Do you know what? I think we might stop that tier soon because there's too many bloody people in it now. It is. You. Fair play to you each and every week, Sean. You managed to rip those names out and just go with it. Yeah, 54 of the buggers at the moment. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're thinking about getting in touch with 
Patreon and you want to be involved with these silly shits who write different names every week just to piss me off, <laughs> check out patreon.com forward slash sapnin ASAP because I'm going to stop people doing it so it's going to be limited <laughs> to somehow only these buggers. So if you want to take the piss out of me, again, that's patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Yes, but thank you to everyone involved on in our Patreon. We love you very, very much and it's lovely to see how many people on there are communicating with each other and just getting involved and, and cheering each other up and all these weird weird times across the world um and thank you to everyone who's listening to this podcast right now if you could go and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to it give us a nice rate a like a share all those kind of things it would mean the world to us and would make sean smile more than if he had a million easter eggs on christmas day none of that makes sense can we go is there a word of the week is there anything you'd like to Uh, mention um no nothing nothing all right um everyone stay safe stay rad nah look after each other don't listen to him uh, um and don't be a dickhead that's difficult anyway thank you very much for listening this has been Sapling Podcast with Sean Smith I'm a good friend Mo Dick this is the end um, I don't mean of life hopefully not anyway um, love you all peace out uh, Sapnin! Sapnin! you're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts um, thank you very much hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.